Amen. You guys can go have a seat. Isn't that fun? I don't know about y'all. I, I say this a lot, but I know our parents are like freaking out when their kids are up here. What are my, what's my kid going to say? I think it's a blast. I think, uh, first off, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church. Just want to welcome you to our family gathering. Uh, and so just a couple things up front. It's a family gathering. Okay? I know we have zero kids classes. I know uh, right now there are some moms in here that are thinking, man, I'm I'm, we're out if my kid starts crying or if this happens. Hey, everybody just take a deep breath, all right? Jesus was born in a manger with a bunch of animals around. Just imagine this is our manger with a bunch of animals. They just happen to be kids, all right? It's okay. Embrace the chaos, the noise. It's okay. This is a family gathering. It's a special time for us uh, as we celebrate Advent, as we look at the, the arrival of our generous king. And so just breathe in that goodness uh, this morning, and, and let's have some fun as we dig into God's Word. Um, one quick announcement that I want to, babe, would you hand me that uh, liturgy guide before I just jump in? Super excited about this. I've talked with a lot of folks who, um, we talk about Bible reading plans, and a lot of folks are like, man, I want to read the Bible in a year, and I think that that's great. I think if that's you, go for it, tackle it. I think the times that I've set out to do that, I've become more frustrated with not accomplishing it uh, in the right amount of time, and, and then, you know, oh, I'm three days behind, and so therefore, what, you know, I guess I'm just, I'll start in 2025. It's like January 4th, and that's how sometimes I, well, I'll just, I'll catch it next year. Uh, but I want to encourage you, the goal of Bible intake is to delight in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's not to check the box that you have read something, and so we started praying. Craig and I met. We met with Paradox, our grandparent church in downtown Fort Worth. We met with them this last week, and uh, of course, they're well-staffed, 2,000 people on a Sunday. Their uh, context for ministry is a bit different than ours. But Craig and I, Craig came to me and said, man, I have a heart going into 2024 for our people, you guys, us, to be in the Word, to practice the spiritual disciplines of, of reading and praying and fasting and memorizing Scripture. And so we kind of set out on this quick journey of what does that look like for us in our context and um, some of the rhythms we're going to put in front of you uh, we will have what's called, uh, we, we made our own Bible reading plan. Uh, we've got cards that kind of help you walk through. This is not, you're not going to finish the Bible in a year. So let me just, if you're like, I've got to do that, there's lots of good ones out there. But if your goal is, is, is to just commune with Jesus and you need some help in that and you just, you want to bite off kind of a, a bite-sized uh, rhythm, if you will, we have a Bible reading plan for you, for me, that we can walk through and we're actually going to, uh, you're going to read the scripture before Sunday hits. And so we'll kick off with Judges. And you can see there's, a, there's a five cards each through the month of, of January. Nick will talk about this next week, but we'll have these available for you uh, that explains. Uh, I, had, I was looking at it backwards. So that's why I couldn't see it. So like week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, and then even a reading liturgy. Hey, pray. Ask the Spirit to reveal Jesus in the text as you do that. Number two, read. Read the text. Read it. Think about the questions. What does it say? What does it mean? Number three, as you read through it, dwell. Meditate on this. And journal. Reflect. It gives you some, some questions as you read two chapters a day. Uh, and then number four, pray. Respond in prayer, asking God to form you more into the likeness of Jesus. Monday through Friday, one chapter um, in a psalm every week. The psalm never changes Monday through Friday. So first week is Psalm 120 and then 121. Very self-explanatory. The goal is, is to just put this in front of you 
Uh, we're not trying to make money off of this. This is literally just us saying we want to be people who know the word. So if you want to do that, you can hear more about that next week. Get with Nick or Craig, and we'd love to introduce you to that reading plan. Now, if this is your first time, that was super loud, sorry. If this is your first time, maybe you've been around for a little bit, I just want to welcome you with a welcome from Jesus. We've had our call to worship. We've got to sing songs about who Jesus is. This is a chance for us to actually respond to God as you hear the word preached. I'm not some, uh, I, I'm not some special uh, prophet who stands before you. I'm a, a, a normal person called and equipped by the, the, the Holy Spirit to deliver the word of God this morning in a way that might, Lord willing, open up your eyes to his goodness this morning. And so that's been my prayer all week. It's nothing complicated. Uh, we've got lots of different things happening this week as we finish up our Advent series this morning, my prayer all month for you is that we would slow down during this season. Take a deep breath, embrace the chaos, work through things that we need to work through, but actually uh, experience this invitation to the generous king who gives us so many generous gifts. And so that's what we've been doing, uh, our, uh, this invitation to slow down, to worship creator instead of creation. And so, so far, if you've been around if you haven't, I'm going to give you kind of a rundown. If you've been around, though, this might be a refresher. Last uh, Three weeks ago, we talked about our hope. Our hope is not in the things of this world. As many good gifts that the generous king gives us, those things, those gifts, the people, creation, they're going to fail us. You might love them dearly, but all of that creation will fail us. Instead, we can look to our generous king who breathes hope into all of our life. And there's a call to be generous. If you remember a few weeks ago, there's this call to be generous with your time, to be present with one another, to be generous with the gifts that God gives you, your spiritual gifts of encouraging or teaching or edifying, uh, building up, of praying with one another, and then to use, uh, to be generous with the treasures that he gives you. Then we looked at, two weeks ago, you have to give me just a second, I hate technology, Siri has been listening to me this entire time and I don't know what's happening. Just to be real with y'all, she's like beeping at me. Something went wrong. Yep, something went wrong, all right. There we go. You got to love it. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at our peace is not found in the things of this world, right? Our circumstances should not dictate whether or not we feel uh, peace in our life. And so the call two weeks ago was for us to receive this peace through trusting Jesus and enjoy the peace through following Jesus and then to generously spread this peace by proclaiming Jesus to everyone around us in our everyday rhythms of life. And then last week, if you were here, our joy, we saw our joy will never be satisfied in the things of this world. Similar to the last two weeks, good gifts he, he gave us were never meant to sustain us. As good as they are, they were never meant to be the recipients of our worship. They were never meant to give you meaning and purpose or satisfy those deep desires of your heart. So the call last week was for us to what? To push through happiness and to actually press into his goodness and his grace, to press into the joy we have in Jesus. And so just in summary, all of our hope, all of our joy, all of our peace should be found in the generous king. It's been a blast walking through this, this Advent series together. So as we close out this morning, I want to take just a few minutes. The invitation is there for us to see what the Spirit might have for us, but I want to take a few moments and draw our eyes to the heart 
of the generous king. We've looked at a lot of his gifts. Creator gives us so many good gifts. Now I want to actually focus and draw our eyes to the heart of the generous king, because he is good to us. He's so kind to give us joy, so kind to give us hope and peace. He's so gracious to us, and it's because God is love. Everything he does to us and for us is out of a generous heart of love, and we love and we love on display through the gift of Jesus. So let's look at our text this morning. 1 John chapter 4, I think it's on the screen, you can follow along in your, your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, we hear this. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this, in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice of, for your sins. A few things I want us to see this morning. The first is this. If you take notes, the generous king is love. Verse 7, love is from God. Verse 8, God is love. Like if I asked you out loud, kind of like what Sean did, now this is the, we had the kids' message, now this is our message. If I was to ask you, and I'm not going to, because I know we'll get all sorts of answers, but what do you love? Like if, if you had to think about that, and I said, hey, what do you love, James? What do you love, Lacey? What do you love, Leslie? What do you love, Brooke? What is it that you love in this world? I bet our answers would vary drastically. Some of, some of us would say, man, I love Sports team, fill in the blank. Dallas Mavs, Alito Bearcats. Nick's holding up his UT. See, I know that's what he loves. That's his idol in his heart. Uh, <laughs> but we would say all sorts of stuff, right? Sports teams, your kids. Let's start there. If, you, if you're a parent, maybe that would be the first thing. I love my kids. I love my spouse. How many people would say, man, I love fajitas? I love good fajitas, good drinks. I love spending time with family and friends. I love money. Some of y'all, I know this is true, you would say you love your pastor. Um, there we go. There we go. I'm just joking. Uh, some of us would say, I've got a middle school girl. She would say she loves clothes and shoes. Like, I, I think there's probably even adults. I could go into your closet. You could probably go into mine. I have a lot of different shoes. We love a lot of things. A little anchorman quote. Some of us would say, I love lamp. Throw back there. Like, I don't know what it is, but it would dra vary drastically. And I think culturally speaking, love is like your kitchen junk, junk drawer. You got one of those in your kitchen, right? You throw everything in that drawer. We have one. I can take you right to it. I know what's in there, and then there's things I don't even know what's in there. Like, I, I could be missing something for 12 months, and on that 13 months, open up that junk drawer and think, aha, that's where that remote went. Bought three since then, but here's what it is. It's, I think culturally, where I was going with that, is that love is like that junk drawer. Everything fits into the drawer, even things you didn't know about, because we love everything. We've got a drawer for it. It's a word that's been emptied. Love has been emptied of its power. It's a word that, lost, that has lost some of its awe, some of its weight in light of the culture we live in, again, because we love everything. So when we hear 
God is love, I think every one of us responds differently because of our own view of love. Maybe some of us hear God is love and our view of love is more transactional. Meaning, if you love the Cowboys when they win but hate them when they lose, does that play into your view of God loving you? Does he love you more when you do good and does he love you less when you do bad? How about this? If you love your children more when they respect you, but cannot stand them when they mess around with your comfort. Dad, 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 what? Does that play into the way you view God loving you? Does he love you when you show him the respect? And when you don't, does he lash out in anger at you? Or maybe some of us hear that phrase, God is love, and we instantly think about the bad things that have happened to us from the ones that have claimed to love us. God is love. Man, I, my earthly parents or, or this or this relationship, they claimed they loved me, and man, they spit on me. Bad things that we've done to those people that we claim to love. We cannot define God's love by watching humanity try and love. We can't do that. We're humans. We have messed up love with our sin. So here's what I mean. Think about someone you love dearly. Picture them in your mind. Could be a parent, could be your spouse, your children, whatever. Think about those people that you love dearly. Have you ever harmed them? Tough question, I know. Could be intentionally or unintentionally. Have you ever harmed them? Have you ever started a conflict with them? Maybe even with the intent of winning the conflict. Have you ever done that? Have you ever hurt them with your words? Maybe think, uh, maybe you're like, man, that's not me. You know why? Because I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. (laughs) Never going to run around and desert you. Never going to make you cry. Never going to say goodbye. Never going to tell a lie and hurt you. Like, y'all, that song, that's a lie from the 80s, all right? You're going to hurt those that you love, even with the best intentions. Not because you don't love them, but because we're humans, and we've messed up that perfect love since Genesis 3. So how do we have a right view of this love of God? I'm glad you asked. So let's look at verse 9, and we see that. God's love was revealed made visible among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Second thing I want you to see this morning is the generous king reveals his love to us. Love is from God. We just saw he is love, and now we see he actually reveals his love to us. Like this is good news for you and I on this Christmas Eve dreary, dreadful, rainy, not even really cold, kind of weird spring morning. It's good news to our hearts. You no longer have to ask, I want to know what love is. Throwing in some 80s songs, come on. Let's think about this for just a moment, not the song. Let's go back to the text. Love has been revealed to us. 
The sending of Jesus makes his love visible. So since the beginning, it's been God, three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And since time began, it's hard to wrap your mind around, but since the very beginning, it was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, they've been delighting and loving one another. From the beginning, for all eternity, the Father loves the Son and Spirit. The Son loves the Father and Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father and the Son. And out of this great love for one another, out of this just joyful delight for one another, not in spite of, not because they needed something, but out of all of that delight, all of creation now exists. So the king's generosity to us flows out of, from a heart of love, and his love, catch this, is made visible in the scandal of Advent, the coming of King Jesus. So the wonder of Christmas is this. God came to us. Like if you ever are thinking, man, how do I explain Christmas? What do I do with my kids? It's this, Emmanuel God came to us, son, daughter, in all of our mess, he came to us. Love, if he is love, God is love, then that means love comes to you. The son who has co-eternally existed with the father and the spirit, he condescends to us and he puts on flesh. No one saw this coming. He didn't come to us in a great palace. No, he came to us in a manger. He didn't go to the great city of Rome, the Roman Empire. He was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the town that you pass through and think, man, I wonder what used to be here. There was no big showing. Have you ever just stopped and considered this? Do you ever wonder, man, why did Jesus come to us? Why did God in human form come to us? Like, why did God just not make us all believe? Wouldn't have that been easier for him if we were just walking around and God said, believe, and we just said, we believe? Like how much easier that would have been? Why did he choose to come to us and not pour all of his love and affection into something that can run, can't run from him? Why does he choose human beings to pour all of his affection into when we, human beings, have the choice to say, no, I'm going to turn from that. Thanks, but no thanks. He could have done it to the mountains, to the rivers, to the streams, to all the birds and all the animals, and they could have joyfully proclaimed, God is alive. The Son of God has been born, but instead he comes to us who can turn our backs on him. If we go all the way back to Genesis 1, we see the creation account. He creates things, right? The waters and the seas, things I just talked about. Land, he breathes life into all of creation, the creatures. And then the word tells us God saw that it was good. He created it, spoke life into existence, and his response was, it's good. Then you get to Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man. Let us, Father, Son, and Spirit, I just, Trinitarian Father, Son, and Spirit, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Verse 31, God saw after creating us, man and woman, male and female, he saw all that he had made, and this is what he says, 
And it was very good indeed. All of the rest of creation, it was good. He gets to us. It was very good indeed. So everything, the Father, Son, and Spirit created was good. Again, but when he gets to us, it's, it's indeed very good. Like, here's where I'm going with all this. All was perfect in the garden. Every need, every desire that Adam and Eve had was met. Everything was complete until... The enemy shows up and deceives Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. And what happens? The serpent lies to them. He convinces them that there's something better outside of God. And from Genesis 3 until the little baby is born in Bethlehem, there is sin all over the place. Brokenness fills the hearts of all people. There might be peace here and there. But all of life seems to just be in turmoil. There might be temporary happiness. We've looked at that here and there, but there's no real joy and meaning and purpose in life. There might be glimpses of hope and restoration through different kings that he'll raise up from men and women of great faith, but then all of the hope is lost when those men or women fall or they die. I mean, this is God's creation. What he looked at and said was very good indeed. How can they turn their back on the one who's created them. It's because Satan has a way of distorting the true meaning of love. And the world loves, loves the distorted version of love. Whatever makes you happy. You be you. Chase after whatever you think you need to be. You want to identify as this? Do that. Love has been distorted until... His perfect love is once again revealed in the little baby born in Bethlehem. So again, this is the wonder of Christmas. Jesus came to us so that we might live. Do you hear that? Might live through him. The generous king has a heart that is overflowing for you with love. He comes to you in all of your brokenness and he desires to restore to us the true love that was once experienced in the garden. And he says, hey, my love is complete. Hear this. When you find life in me, the God of the Bible desires you to have life in the here and now, not just one day in eternity. While that's great and beautiful and exciting to look ahead, he actually says you can have all of the love, not distorted, but you can find all of me in my son Jesus. And you know what? You can actually have life. He loves you so much to say, here's my son. I'm giving him to you so that you may live through him and have my love wash over you. Like what a beautiful gift Jesus is to us. And then also at the same time, what a beautiful invitation into a beautiful adventure of living life through him. A few scriptures will be on the screen behind me. Jesus says in John 1, 4, in him was life. And that life John says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. John 4, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water will give him, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Never go thirsty again. John 10, 10, a thief, serpent, enemy, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. 
I think it's possible to live a life where we just exist, where we just live an aimlessly, just, just going with the flow, life. Real life. Joy, hope, peace, and love is actually found in Christ alone. One author, he says it like this. What John says is that God's love, this love pouring out from this amazing being who's concerned for the vast millions on earth, is individual, each one wrapped in his amazing love. And this love is perfected only when it becomes visible in us. Is that not amazing? God's love reaches its ultimate and final conclusion when it becomes visible in us. He goes on and he says, it's an abortive thing, incomplete and therefore unreachable, incomprehensible until his love, until it finds its manifestation in a living human, living in flesh and blood, incarnate again in you and me. Until it actually, his love, just takes root in the creation that he says it's very good. Indeed, it's very good. It's then his love is made complete. Like here we have this world dying for love. It's a word on everyone's lips. Everyone's talking about love. There is this hunger to just feel loved. And we, normal folks, like you and I, are the channels by which the world can know the love of God. And I just think that's incredible. He could have done anything easier, better, and he looked at you and said, no, 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 I love you. I've given you this gift. You can have life in me. And you know what? What do we do with that? Very simple. We tell people about Jesus. That's it. Like the, the meaning of Christmas is experience his love complete. Through the boy, the baby boy born in a manger, love came to you. God is love. God showed up. And if you've met him, it's radically just, it, man, just enlivened your heart. Think back to that time where you were like, yes, I get it. I get that Jesus grew up and he is the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Like I, I, I remember that. You are the channels by which people experience that love of God. Verse 10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 9, his love is revealed, made visible to us. Now this love is defined. As cute of a story is of the baby boy being born in the manger, and praise God for that. That's what we celebrate tomorrow, his birth. Jesus, the King of Kings, came to make war on our enemies. That's why we sang that song, This Is War. You're like, if, you, if you're, you showed up and you heard that song, it was like, how is this Christmas? Because when the baby boy was laying in the manger, all sin and death was already defeated. Like, this is the one that they had been waiting for to defeat, not just the Roman Empire, not just for the Jews, but for all people who would proclaim that he is good, there's no, Jesus, the king of kings, came to make war on our enemies, and here's why. Our sin separates us from God. There's no other solution to being reconciled back to our creator. A savior was needed, a hero was needed to step in and save us. So hear me, God's a loving God, but he's also a holy God. A holy God. You've seen this in Judges, if you've been around. He cannot 
withstand the presence of evil. And it's in that tension of, well, he's, got, he's a faithful God, so he's got to step in for his people, but he's also a holy God. He's a covenant-keeping God who loves his people and faithfully provides a judge, as we saw, again, saw in Judges, a savior. But he's also a holy God and will not stand for evil. So wrath is the way forward until love is revealed and defined for us. So I think this is why the gospel can be so sweet for you this morning. Because this Christmas, we can look to the manger and we can be struck with awe, not just at the beauty of a baby being born, but because you can be blown away at his grace. Because in the middle of his wrath that should have, we deserved, poured out on us, his love drove him and to send his son to avert that wrath from you and I. Scripture's clear, the wages of sin is death. We were dead in our sin. We were children of wrath, but God. Best two words in the Bible, but God. You and I will make terrible heroes. I've tried to be the hero. You've tried to be the hero. Like, I'm not going to die for my enemies. I'm a terrible hero. I'll die for me and my family. That's it. I'd make a terrible hero, but the generous king of love, he steps in and he says, hey, I've made a way. Love has been made visible. Seeking and saving the lost is my plan. Not condemning, but instead saving the world. He didn't die for the good. If you walked in this morning and said, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm good. Look at me. Look what I have done. The Bible says he, he came to save the sick and the lost and the brokenhearted. Love is made visible and defined in the birth of Jesus, in his life and his death. So stamped forever in human history is the greatest sign of love, and it's found on the bloody cross. If you've ever been to the cross of Jesus, and you have seen the love of God manifested there, I'm not talking about the physical place. I'm talking about if you, individual, have ever been to the cross of Jesus, if you've ever thought about it and pondered on it and, and, and went from manger to he has now waged war against all of your sin and shame, all of your self-righteousness, all of your pride, if you've ever gone to the cross, then you're never going to go back to living a life of selfish gain. His salvation of dying for you in your place, for the sin that you've committed, the sin you're committing right now in this season and the sin that you'll ever commit. Like that's the definition of love. Romans 5, 8, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He sought you out. He found you in your mess and he says, I've made a way. Like this entire Advent season, I've been trying to stir our hearts to maybe something new. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the gospel in, in such uh, not good presentation, but like such good news to, to your weary soul. Like maybe this is the first time you, you've grown up in a, a culture that says try harder and do more. And, and man, I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you to try to go out and be better so that you can earn God's favor. I'm saying in all of your sin and shame and suffering, in all of your failed attempts at trying to be good enough, you're not. He came and died for you so that you can rest in him and find your hope and your joy 
and your peace and actually experience love in a real meaningful way. I don't want you to just know this in your head. I want you to believe and experience his generosity, his overflowing hope and love and joy and peace because it all flows from a heart of love. So family, I close our Advent series with this, The Generous King. Man, he's so good to us. Can we tell the world about him? Can we just say, you know what? I think we, we overcomplicate things. What am I supposed to do? What's my purpose in life? Love God and tell others. Love God and tell other people about how he has saved you to something and from something. Holy Spirit, we just come before you right now, Lord. We thank you for today. Thank you that you came to us. You gave us the perfect example. You stooped to our mess that we created from Genesis 3 where we thought we knew better. We thought, we listened to the lies of the enemy who said we can have more uh, joyful, more happiness outside of you. We can find peace in the, the things in the garden. We could find our joy and meaning in the things of creation. We listened. We were deceived, duped by the enemy, the father of lies. And you didn't you didn't start over. Sure, there's consequences to our sin, to our actions of, of us saying um, we can be better gods than you. But you can look all throughout the Old Testament, the pages of your word, holy inspired, divine word to us, we see a pursuit of your creation that you said indeed was very good You've pursued the hearts of your people. Years, thousands of years, generations before us, you're pursuing your people. And then one day, in between that Old Testament and New Testament, that 400 years of silence, all the prophecies that we're talking about in the Old Testament, pointing to a Savior, a Messiah, Prince of Peace, King of Kings, Emmanuel, God with us, all of those things that, that people clung to and had hope in through you. All of those things, some Christmas morning, love showed up in a screaming child born in a manger. And it radically changed the entire world. At that moment, I, I can just imagine our enemy from Genesis 3, the serpent, shuddered in fear. Oh no. He really did send a Messiah. Like, I, I just find great hope in that. I find great joy that the enemy shuddered at the cry of an infant. My goodness, how you have taken a baby boy and trampled our enemies, defeated death. Death couldn't hold him. Lord, as we 
have had the first arrival of love. We now look to you. All of our hope and all of our joy and peace is found in the coming back of your son, Jesus. On that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord. And Lord, we look forward to that. But until then, we bank on your faithfulness through generation after generation. Help us to tell people about the greatest gift ever, your son Jesus. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.